Hello and welcome to episode 36 of ERRX. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about glucose levels and the need to aggressively lower them in patients who are not in diabetic emergencies. We'll also look at a potential tool that can help you decide what dose of insulin to give. And then we'll wrap up by talking about sub-Q versus IV administration of insulin and some pharmacokinetic data. We've all seen the patient in the ER who happens to have elevated glucose levels. Now, obviously, if the patient is in a diabetic emergency such as DKA or HHS, we treat these patients with fluids and usually a continuous infusion of IV regular insulin. We know that in the inpatient setting, glucose control, with goals usually around less than 180 mg per deciliter, has been associated with better outcomes. But what about a patient who is in your ER with moderate hyperglycemia or a completely non-related concern whom you plan to discharge? Should we aggressively correct their glucose to a specific value? Does it have any bearing on their bounce-back rate? Back in 2016, a study was published in the Annals of Emergency Medicine to answer this question. They did a retrospective review of adult patients who had a glucose level of greater than 400 mg per deciliter during their ER stay, and they excluded patients who were admitted to the hospital or had type 1 diabetes. They ended up with 566 ER encounters in 422 patients. 58% were men, and the mean age was 47 years. The mean arrival glucose level was 491 mg per deciliter. In 341 encounters, or 60% of cases, both IV fluids and sub-Q insulin was given to reduce glucose levels. Mean glucose reductions were 157 mg per deciliter, and mean glucose values at discharge were 334 mg per deciliter, with a range of 48 to 694 mg per deciliter. Then, the authors looked at a 7-day follow-up period and found the following. Outcomes for return ER visits for hyperglycemia and hospitalization occurred in 13% and 7% of patients, respectively. DKA occurred in only 2 patients, and 0 patients developed HHS, or died. All in all, there was no association between discharge glucose levels and either repeat visits for hyperglycemia or hospitalization or the development of DKA and HHS. Actually, 2% of patients developed hypoglycemia due to the interventions. The authors concluded that attaining a specific glucose level before discharge in patients with hyperglycemia may be less important than traditionally thought. But what if your patient is being admitted, or if they have type 1 diabetes, which were exclusion criteria in the previous study? Or what if you just really want to lower those levels prior to discharge, or if you're still unsure about patient disposition. Your go-to answer should be a rapid-acting, subcutaneous insulin such as Lispro or Aspart. To get a dose of sub-Q insulin, if your patient is on insulin at home, just ask them how many units of insulin they would give themselves with that particular glucose value. If the patient is not on insulin at home, you have a couple of options. One option is to use your institution's sliding-scale insulin protocol to determine what the nurses on the floor would give your patient with that specific glucose value. Or we can use some well-developed sub-Q insulin protocols that are specific to the ER setting, like the Rush Emergency Department Hyperglycemia Intervention Protocol, or REDHI.
And although this protocol attempted to lower the glucose level to a certain goal of less than 180 milligrams per deciliter in this case, and we just learned that this is probably unnecessary, it's still worthwhile looking into this protocol. This is a nurse-driven protocol that would trigger if glucose levels were greater than 200 milligrams per deciliter. After the nurse asked the patient when they last took their insulin or oral diabetes agents, they calculated a weight-based dose of sub-Q insulin based on the patient's glucose level. They would then recheck glucose every two hours and continue to follow the protocol. I'll post this protocol to the ERRX Podcast Instagram page and to ERRXPodcast.com. By using this protocol, they were able to lower glucose by 175 milligrams per deciliter and lower the mean hospital length of stay by 1.5 days compared to historical controls, and that actually was significant. However, mean length of stay in the ER was not affected. Keep in mind that this protocol came with a 7% risk of hypoglycemia. Notice that I didn't mention sub-Q or IV regular insulin as treatment options. At my institution, we try to avoid IV insulins outside of the setting of DKA or HHS or shifting of hyperkalemia. There really is no need to use IV insulin when we can use a sub-Q route. If you remember the pharmacokinetic data of insulins, regular insulins peak at about 3 hours and can have about a 6-8 to hour duration of action. On the other hand, rapid-acting insulins peak within 1 hour with a duration of about 3 hours, which is a much better profile for the typical ER patient's duration of stay. Not only can we cause hypoglycemia with IV insulins, remember that giving IV insulins also lowers potassium levels. A recent study out of the ER setting found that patients given greater than 5 units IV regular insulin had an 8% risk of hypokalemia, which is just another small reason to not use the IV route routinely. In conclusion, remember that for patients discharging from your ER, there is probably no need to normalize their hyperglycemia unless they are in a diabetic emergency. The most important intervention you can make is to make sure the patient has proper outpatient follow-up and adequate supplies of medications. And if you're still not convinced, consider using sub-Q rapid-acting insulins instead of IV or sub-Q regular insulin to try to lower those glucose levels. Using the patient's own sliding scale algorithm, using your institution's algorithm for hospitalized patients, or using ER-specific protocols such as the Ready are good places to start. As always, thank you so much for your time. Please remember to sign up for our newsletter on ERRXPodcast.com. Oh.